The text for the sermon this day is taken from that gospel lesson, which you heard a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, what would you do? Imagine you are in, it's about 37 AD, you have been arrested. You have been called to stand before the Sanhedrin, the courts of the time. The charge is blasphemy. The punishment for blasphemy is that they hurl large rocks at your head until you are dead. What would you do? Stephen, when he was put into that place, he stood and he, he unraveled the scriptures, unraveled the, the story of God's salvation as is recorded in the Old Testament. And then eventually he pointed to how all of it was preparing for Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, whom they had crucified. And he rose from the dead. For this, Stephen suffered the very fate he expected. He was stoned to death. What would you do? What would you do if you were a soldier, 317 AD, under the Emperor Licinius? A decree had gone out that if you were a Christian, you were to be executed. And so, they came upon 40 Roman soldiers, all of whom confessed to be a Christian. And they stripped them of their armor, stripped them of their clothing, and they forced them to stand in a lake. Now, this was not Okaboji in July. It's more like Okaboji in January. And there they stood, slowly freezing to death. And they would not, and all they had to do was renounce Christ. All they had to do was renounce their faith and they'd be free. None of them would do it. And then to try to sweeten the deal, they set up bathtubs along the lake, steaming hot baths. And they said to them, if you renounce this Jesus, you can go into this, jump into this hot bath and we will say, you'll live. One soldier did. One soldier eventually had enough, and he jumped out of the water, went into the bath, and because, if anybody knows medical, you know what happens if you go from extreme cold to extreme heat? Can you guess what happened to him? Yep, he died of a heart attack. And so there he had 39 standing, freezing, and eventually moved Moved by the confession of those 39, one of the soldiers overseeing the execution confessed Christ as Lord, stripped off his armor, ran into the lake, and joined with them. Forty died, froze to death, confessing Christ as Lord. The bodies were burned by the, the guards. What would you have done? Would you have given up? Would you have jumped out of the water like the one did? Or how many of you would be willing, if you were the guards overseeing this, to join in? June 25th, 1530. So, 
493 years ago tomorrow. We're coming up, we're getting, which means, yes, we're getting close to 500 years. At Augsburg, Germany, Emperor Charles V demanded that they come and testify before him. And so Luther could not, Luther did not come because he was banned from the country. And so they sent, the, they sent, there was princes and there's a number of others, most namely um, Philip Melanchthon. And they stood before Charles V. Have you ever seen the Luther movie? This is like one of the last scenes of the movie. And so, and I'm kind of paraphrasing the scene. But the princes stood before Charles V, holy Roman Emperor Charles V, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And actually, according to history, he was actually probably one of the most powerful political leaders in the history of the world. Because he had, a, he had control of both Spain and that holy Roman emperor, empire. And so he told them that you must march in the Corpus Christi processional. And they said, we will not. And again, he says, you must worship in the Roman manner or you will know my sword. To which the prince got down on his knees and he said, before a man take, uh, take away from me the word of God, I would let him have my head. What would you do? Now, in that case, Charles V did not execute them. Because it wasn't just one, it was several of them. And he knew that he could not, if he executed all of them, it'd be a political nightmare for him, so he let them live. But they didn't know for certain he would do that. They didn't know for certain how he was going to act. This question is of relevance. What would you do? Because the reality is, is still to this day, Christianity is persecuted. On average, every single day, 11 Christians are executed somewhere in the world because they are a Christian. There are many parts of the world where it is illegal to be Christian. There are countries in this world where if you want to worship, you are worshiping in secret. But if you notice, we are in a very comfy, cozy world in our country. And what a blessing. We are blessed that we can freely worship. We are, I mean, tomorrow morning, we are gonna worship in a park, part of Heritage Days, and the city is, you know, supportive of it. You realize how blessing that, how blessed that is? And yet, do you know the irony of it is in this country? There's less eagerness to go to go and worship than there is in the ones where they'll have a bullet in their head for doing the same. This is, and so the question comes to, why? Why are they willing to die? There's a great quote by Martin Luther King. He said that, he said, I submit to you that if a man has not found something that he is willing to die for, 
That man is not fit to live. The gospel that we possess, that we have been received, that is worth dying for. That is worth laying your all and sacrifice everything for. Because let's be honest, our world is not the way it's supposed to be. You don't have to look hard to see how broken this world is. This past week, I was reading the news, and which, you know, if you're really want, if you're too, if you're having too good of a day, just read the news, it'll take you down just quickly. So, but I opened the news, and of course the big news all week has been about the submersive that imploded. But the other news that was going on around the world, we, there's a lot of focus on that, but how little focus there was on the boat that was going from Egypt to Italy and sunk with over 200 people on it. And why were they going from Egypt to Italy? Because Egypt's economy is starting to fall into chaos and people are starting to flee. India is on the verge of a civil war. Russia, have you heard, you've probably seen what's going on this morning in the news. And there's beginning more chaos there. And plus, there's the ongoing war with Ukraine. See how fallen this world is? And then you come, to, and then you don't have to go far. You go to our own lives where we have loved ones. We live in the reality that loved ones are sick. Loved ones die. We live in the effects of this broken world. And we ourselves, we don't act the way that we're supposed to. People, if you ever want to see how nasty can be, people can be, just go to the, the comment sections of any social media, any type of message board, and you can see just how nasty people can be to other human beings, and a lot of it over trivial, meaningless stuff. I mean, there's people that are shouting death threats over a Star Wars movie because they didn't like the actress. I mean, I love Star Wars too, but I'm not going to want somebody to die over something. This past Monday, what holiday was on Monday? The, the banks were closed, Juneteenth. How sad it is in our country that that holiday is controversial. Because on the one hand, we are mourning the reality that slavery was a reality in our country. And two, we are celebrating that legalized slavery is no more. And the fact that that is controversial is a tragedy because it's a celebration of humanity. Slavery should never be considered a good thing. We should never mourn the loss of slavery. We should celebrate its death. And yet somehow, in our country, we've been so politicized, on both sides of it, we have turned it controversial. This is how broken our world is. And yet, we're going to come to the end of the year, and because we're in Iowa, we're so privileged to be the first, first ones that all the politicians would come and visit. We're going to have a whole bunch of people telling us that they have the answer that they are going to give us the hope to live for. President Biden, he's going to give you the hope 
this is what I'm going to do to make, keep, make things better. And then Governor DeSantis or former President Trump or whoever else, uh, RFK Jr., whoever else is running, they're all going to give you why they are the answer to hope. They're the reason, they are going to tell you how they are going to make the world a good place. And, you know, and our senators are going to say, thing, say the same thing. Our people who are running for U.S. representative, they're going to say the same thing. But here's the thing. None of them can give you that ultimate hope. Because the thing is, is the brokenness of the world, the brokenness that you have inside, they have that same brokenness. They have that same sinful nature. And that is not a political statement. I can say that about literally any party. That also includes your third party. You think, oh, well, if we could just get rid of those two major parties and get the third one, then we'll be saved. No, they have the exact same condition, and they is the sinful nature. They cannot bring hope. So why do these people die for the Gospels? Because it is true hope. The true hope came for this man, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem around 5 B.C., who grew up and began preaching and doing wonderful miracles, feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, two fish, walking on water, making the blind to see, the lame to hear, no, the, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the mute to speak. I got it mixed up for a moment there. And, you know, cleanse lepers by touching them. Nobody would ever touch a leper, and he touched them to heal them, even though he didn't have to. And eventually, because he confessed himself to be the Christ. And as we said earlier, if he is not the Christ, that is blasphemy. And the punishment for blasphemy is death. And so they demanded his execution. He was crucified. But because it was, he was not blasphemous, because he was indeed, the, he is indeed the Christ, he overcame the death. Death could not hold him. Death could not weigh him down. He, had he defeated sin. He defeated death. And he defeated the devil. And that victory that is his is your victory. And he doesn't give this to you by... He doesn't say, well, you know what? Okay, here's the victory. But first, you've got to get your act together. I mean, you're just... You really have a problem with your anger. you really got to work on that. He doesn't say, you know, I, I've seen those things... You're saying, and I saw the, you know, you're, 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 you don't have your life quite together. Or, you know, maybe if you get a little bit farther in your job and make a little bit more money. Or maybe if you do, maybe if you have the perfect marriage. Or you have perfect kids, then we can talk. He doesn't tell you that. He doesn't say, oh, you know what, give me a certain amount of money. You know, put a whole, make sure you put millions of dollars in the offering plate. He doesn't tell you that. He says, he gives it as a free gift. Because silver and gold cannot redeem you. Nothing of this world can give you salvation. Nothing of this world can give you hope. But the blood of Jesus shed on the cross gives you life and gives you victory. Victory over sin. Victory over the death. Knowing, and this is why they did not fear. And hopefully you noticed through the hymns, through the scripture, through the intro, are you catching a theme in all this stuff? 
about not being afraid, the hymns? You know, we, we have the armor of God. And by the way, do you want to know how you get the armor of God? Trick's question. You got it already. You received it when you were baptized. You were clothed in the armor of God. He is, Jesus is peace. Jesus is righteousness. Jesus is the word. And when you were baptized, you were clothed in Christ himself. You have the armor of God. You have nothing to fear. And so we stand boldly in confessing. And notice he did not say, confess it silently in your room. Jesus does not say, well, just leave it to your faith. Leave it to yourself. Your religion is just between you and God. No, he's, where did he say, shout it from where? The housetops. Does that sound quiet? No. He wants you to be proclaiming this gospel to the world. To proclaim this good news. Do not be afraid what the world can do to you. Fear not that which could destroy the body but cannot destroy the soul. As Luther once said it, I don't worry about the one who could cut off my head because I know one who could grow it back. What do you have to fear? That gospel that is yours is worth dying for. And you are, that whole talk about the armor, the sword, which is the word of God, a sword isn't supposed to sit there and collect dust. It's called a sword because we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. We fight not against flesh or blood, right? Those are going to be the words for vacation Bible school. The word is to be spoken to the world, to brought out into the world. And, and, the, and again, with the sword, you don't just pick up a sword and fight. You actually have to learn how to use a sword. Because if you don't, I always, for some reason, I always think of Keith or Zach. Sorry, I saw you there. So, but they ran around with the sword. I was always, thankfully, they're not sharp, so they didn't cut off their leg or anything. But when you have a sword, you get trained. And so the word of God, you're in it. You study it. You do your devotions. You come to worship. You go to Bible class. And by the way, something I'm working on for the fall is what's called a 40 day, the 40-day red-letter challenge. And, and soon we're going to have Bibles in our pews. And I'm going to be starting to challenge you all to bring your Bible to church every Sunday so we can actually open it up and use it. Because that is the sword that God has given you so that you may read it and know how to use it. Because you are more and more growing in, you are more and more in a world where you are going to be a minority. And as I said it several times in recent weeks, you, and you, we got a few other, the younger ones, we don't have a lot of younger ones, but you're going into a world where being a Christian means you are a minority. So the mission field is everywhere. And it is worth dying for. Because in Christ is life everlasting. May we may it ever be on our lips until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen.